Good morning and welcome to Raise the Bar. This is the Sky High and Fly Jump Camps podcast. My name is Troy Haynes. I'm your host. And uh, today I'm going to be talking with a young man who's a, a local product here in the Southland, Dylan Fox. He's from Irvine High School and he is uh, the new uh, meat record holder, school record holder, and all around um, butt kicking long jumper. Um, and we're just going to get him right in. He's he just walked into our our waiting room. He's ready to go. So, uh, Dylan, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> Pretty good. A little tired from yesterday, but I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing well, man. Yeah, it's uh it's that time of year, right? All the all the big meets mm-hmm. are here. So, uh, um, I was just uh, telling our listeners that uh, um, I just bumped into Dylan earlier this year at the uh, the Concordia meet that I was at. And uh, you were in the process of shattering all the records there that I remember. Your first jump was, uh, I think, was above the allowable wind, but then you came back and and beat it with good wind a couple different mm-hmm. times. Um, yep. And uh, that just kind of started the the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I introduced myself and asked about you, found out you were from Irvine High School, which was mm-hmm. uh, of great interest to me because I used to coach there with uh, Coach Brenton and Coach Gary Gross, so I did four years there. Had a great time with those guys. There, um, Gary Gross is a big Bruin fan like me, so we would always talk, yep. you know, football and basketball and everything else. And uh, you know, great times over there, great kids. And then, um, so you went from Irvine High School and stayed a local product because uh, Concordia is pretty close to Irvine, right? Yeah. I mean, Concordia. I got in when I was a freshman, but I ended up going to Soka University. Mm. At least in Idaho. Um, and I played soccer and ran track there. So I was able to do both sports that I like to do. And then I decided that the education wasn't for me. And I looked at Concordia and they'd see me jump. And so it was a pretty easy, easy transfer from there. Okay. So they weren't yeah. even interested in you in track and field at Concordia when you were a freshman? Um, it's more like my sister actually worked works here right now and she worked here then she was like oh she just apply like I didn't know anything about Concordia so I didn't end up going right but um you know figured some things out the next year and I met coach Woods um okay. and they kind of poured into me and it worked out in the end yeah awesome well um I also know a small track and field world that we live in I know your coach Lauren uh, Magnuson mm-hmm. she uh I yep. forget how I bumped into Lauren it was uh last year I think it had something to do with Instagram and then um, we actually did a podcast because I've been looking for, you know, um, basically, uh, I'm sure the listeners are getting tired of hearing about the, the old coaches dreams. I, I was, you know, in college wanted to do nothing, but go to the Olympics, go to the trials, you know, and, and start that whole process. And, um, you know, probably starting my sophomore year and, uh, I chased that dream to the fullest. I, I waited till I was 28 years old before I finally retired and said, I don't think I can make it. And, um, but I've always just loved watching the Olympics. I love watching the trials. I love watching the drama, you know, everything else. And so, um, on the podcast, I tend to try to get either someone who's been to the trials or made a team or, you know, the, the, the scales have kept going up. So we, we got Doug Nordquist in here for the second podcast. And of course he jumped in 84 he made the team and uh, finished fifth in the finals, as a matter of fact, in the high jump. And, um, you know, and, and then coached, had a long career, jumped 236, 
which is like seven, eight, three quarters on a cadaver reconstructed left knee, by the way. And then, um, yeah, he's been coaching forever and a day. I've, I've jumped against him, coached against him, played golf with him. And, um, yeah. he's a great guy. So anyway, uh, went from him, got Leo Williams, who was an alternate on that team. And so the theme has kind of been, Hey, trials, 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 games, games, games. We've had a couple of, uh, Olympic medalists on here, especially, um, Kevin Young, a few, few back. So, uh, the, the reason I bring that up, Dylan, is that, um, I think all of a sudden you are just kind of bursting onto the scene here. Uh, these marks are getting farther and farther. Have you started thinking about dreams like that, getting to the, to the U S Olympic trials and, and going on to the Olympics? Is that something that's on your radar? Yeah. I mean, it's always been something that's in the back of my mind from, I mean, I started in high school, uh, um, running track because I wanted to stay in shape for soccer. So soccer has always been my main sport growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got to college and I was able to play both sports. And now that I'm finally focusing on just track, it's, it's a whole different ball game because you're not going back and forth and your body doesn't have to change. And so now that I'm producing these marks, it is actually something that I'm looking forward to. And I think coach Magnuson has actually told me, she says that all these guys, all the long jumpers are peaking or jumping their best when they're in their mid to late twenties. And so I'm like, shoot, I got a couple of years left to see what I can do. Right. I'm only 20 right now and I'm a sophomore in college. And so I have two years here and then who knows what goes on after that. So it's definitely something that's been in the back of my mind that I, I want to see what I can do in the future. Oh yeah. Well, that's tell you what, it's uh it's so funny. It's, it's brings up a concept that I, I call stretch with athletes. And um, I think when you're in your early twenties, I think there's just an amazing capacity for stretch. And by that, I mean, growth in all areas, you know, flexibility, strength, range of motion, um, you know, power. <clears throat> I remember in high school, I think I squatted like 220 and was, I think I benched more than I squatted when I was high jumping. And then, you know, I got to the weight room at UCLA, there were some really large people in there. And I remember walking around going, man, I gotta, I gotta start doing something here. And, you know, but I don't think I was really capable of that in high school, really. I, I don't know. I, I hadn't grown into my man body yet or something, you know, but those first mm -hmm. two years of college, you know, I went from 6'3", 180 to 6'3", 195, kind of effortlessly. And it was actually a little heavy, I thought, for jumping. You know, Del Davis and Lee Balkan used to say, oh, you're too heavy, you know. And I used to go, man, everybody always told me I was skinny in high school. What are you talking about? And then you know, along with that 195 body weight, I got my squats up to 400, you know, my vertical two footed vertical was always amazing, you know, and I, I remember it just got better and better and better. And it was like, and then you would just push more, you know, you're like, man, this is working, you know, and you lift more and you run more and you do this and, and you're doing things that you just, you just couldn't envision even two years before. I remember thinking after two years in the college weight room, I'm like, man, I wish I'd have been, had this body when I was playing high school football. <laughs> you know, because I, I might have exactly. been somebody, you know, because like your soccer was your first love. Mine was football. And uh, yep. I was I was way better as an athlete after two years in college than I ever was in high school. So mm -hmm. how has that been? I, I um, let's let's chart your marks a little bit. What was your best long jump in high school? So my best long jump in high school was seven point one five meters. And I jumped that at the Olympic Training Center. Mm -hmm. I think it was just a matter of the competition because I was jumping against guys. I was 18 then, and they, I was jumping against guys who were 23, 25, 
some guys 27 some guys were trying to go for the olympic trials i was like show up today and i think it's kind of those situations that push me to go further um right and up until this point this year uh, i hadn't pr'd since then so that was junior year in between junior year and senior year of high school Right. And unfortunately, I don't have the record at my high school because I jumped the mark outside of it. <laughs> right, right. For USATF. So, you know, that's going to stay with me. But until this year, I hadn't jumped further than that. And, you know, our first track meet, um, you know, indoor wasn't doing so great. There were a couple of injuries that I was dealing with um, and I just wasn't putting it together. But something clicked at that meet that you went to. Mm-hmm. And- the home meet I was jumping over seven meters pretty easily and before that it felt like it was pretty tough to get over seven right right Um, and I think all my jumps that day were over seven meters and I ended up breaking the school record at 722 I think was that day yeah Um, and then a couple weeks later went to UCI and there was good competition there and I ended up winning that by one centimeter going 735 and I don't think I had a mark below 710. So it's just kind of like a progression. Right. Um, going a little bit further every single time. Um, then I actually, I got sick for two weeks, so I couldn't make it to Brian Clay. And, no. you know, stomach issues. And then right once I got off that, I got sick again. So just a tough past two weeks. Um, and then this week leading up to PacWest Championships, um, just did what I could to get better. And, you know, I think the rest helped me a little bit, but mm-hmm. it was a really, really good competition on Friday. And everyone was jumping like crazy. Um, I was seated third going into it because we had some guy who jumped 785 this year. Wow. And yeah, everyone was jumping like crazy. Uh, my first jump was 723. wasn't great. It wasn't like, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, but it definitely wasn't going to put me on the podium. And then some guy came out and jumped 741, you know, 752. And I, I was like, shoot, I have to, I have yeah. to pop one right now. And so on my fourth jump in finals um I jumped 749 and so that broke the school record and placed me in second um for the meet and then my fifth jump was a good jump it was 746 but it didn't increase in anything and then finally on my last jump you know I, the whole crowd was going I had to I got a clap going and it kind of hyped me up and then I ended up jumping 755 which won the competition for Pac West, um, beat the meet record by one centimeter, school record, um, and I'm ranked 10th in the nation, so I should be going to Pueblo unless somebody, <laughs> unless six people jump better than 755. Right, right, yeah. That's a, <laughs> kind of a weird rule, but yeah. I things have changed since I was in, at your level. I, I remember it used to just be a standard. Uh, standard when I was a senior at UCLA in 86 was 222 in the high jump. Since yep. then, they've actually brought it down and they'd go through all the regionals and all that other stuff. And, you know, the 16, like you said, the top 16. So, yeah, if you're sitting 10th right now, that's got to be going to be pretty good. How what do you how long do you have to sweat that out? What's the what's the uh, the amount of time for somebody to beat that in the next week or the next what? Uh, there should only be one meet left for most schools across the country. Usually they have a last chance meet. Last chance meet, yeah. Yeah, ours is at Azusa again, and that's on the 14th and the 15th. So after that weekend, we'll have to see how I'm looking. But they're debating whether or not to have me jump at Azusa or have me rest. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, do you go there and like just try to protect or do you just, you know, sweat it out? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, So you mentioned something that that, uh, I keep thinking about um, 
you know, I was a typical jumper, high jumper, number one, high jumpers would jump every day <clears throat> if they could, because it's, we just like it so much. I don't know what it is. It's almost like an addiction, but then yeah. our, our shins rebel, right? So at a certain point in the season, all of a sudden it's like, you're jumping on hamburger, your legs feel crappy. And you're like, man, I just got to take a rest. Mm -hmm. I was forced into rest two different times in my career and <clears throat> they were both beneficial. You know, my senior year, I, I got a twinge in my hamstring, right, right at league finals. And my coach shut me down for the next week. And I was, you know, I was feeling kind of tired as getting to the end of the season and just in time for the, you know, the league finals run and all that. So I made it to league finals, but then it was CIF prelims and he didn't let me do anything. I jogged and stretched and maybe did some backovers. And then, you know, CIF prelims came up. I jumped six, seven, first jump and was, was in, you know, it was like easy. And uh, I started learning a little bit about recovery, you know, like what yeah. it was like to actually take a couple, you know, days off or a week off. And it's a, it's a really interesting thing when I was forced to, in that case, it all worked out pretty well. Um, I've told the story in here before taking, you know, tons of aspirin and waking up, you know, spitting up blood in the morning from taking too much aspirin and stuff like that. So um, how did that, that, uh, uh, I was curious, have, have you felt that kind of drag before from overtraining? And like you said, you, you mentioned that you said you thought it might've been beneficial that you, you got sick yeah. and took those two weeks off. So how do, how do we figure this out without having to get sick or injured? You know? Yeah, seriously. Uh, I think it's different for everybody because we have some people on our team who perform way better when they kind of killed their body in the first couple of days of the week and then they have a couple of days to rest. But for me, I've been, I think I've realized it growing up as well, but never really um, kind of brought it to mind was that my body just needs more time to recover, I think, than other people's. Mm -hmm. So having those two weeks off, obviously I was sick, so it wasn't complete recovery, complete rest, um, but it definitely did help. And I have noticed in the past when I take a little bit of time off, I always come back stronger. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about finding a fine line of training and pushing your body and, you know, growing, yeah. and, you know, working on technique, working on strength, but also making sure that you have time to rest before competitions and not overdoing it. Because I think it's very easy to overdo it when you just want to keep going and keep pushing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's what my coach is talking to me about. She said the past two weeks, she admitted, she's like, dude, I know it was so hard for you to not be training. And it really was because I always want to be out there, you know, pushing myself and going, getting faster, jumping higher. Right. But sometimes pulling back is better than pushing even further. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, I need to coin this term before somebody else does, but, uh, I, I call it, you know, the, the training edge that we're talking about that everybody wants to be sharp, you know? So I, I would think razor sharp, right. We want to be efficient we want to be you know completely at the the peak of our technique game we want to be maxed out physically we're as fast and as flexible and as everything just everything's on point right mm -hmm. and i think it's so hard to get to there and maintain that you know from day to day week to week as you're getting through a competition season and like you said it's it's human nature to feel like am i doing enough am i doing enough you know, am I, am I maintaining that? Should I be doing something else mm -hmm. as well? You know, like we've talked about a lot of things on this podcast from, um, you know, sports psychology and 
Um, I'm actually later today could be doing another podcast with a gal from um, Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, Cynthia Monteleon, who's nutrition stuff, and um, Barbara, who helps me with all my stuff. But Chaka, the the number one jumper in Canada right now, she's uh, she's into nutrition. So there's all these, you know, there's training. We talked to training gurus in here. We've talked to other athletes and coaches. What do you like to do? And what I've found with in my own past was that drive towards overdoing it. And, you know, to me, it's like somebody taking a razor out now that they know is sharp. Right. And, but in, in the back of your mind, you're like, is it still sharp? Is it still sharp? <laughs> yeah. with it. Is it, it, it better be sharp or, or it won't work. I got to yep. keep it sharp. And it's like, if you keep using it, it turns into razor dull, you know, really quickly. It's like, everybody knows you got a nice sharp razor and you keep using it. And all of a sudden it doesn't work the same, you know? And it's like, I think so many times, you know, I've been guilty of the the razor dull thing. And I vowed, I think I probably err a little bit on the other side now with my jumpers towards the razor sharp and the under training as opposed to over. But it's mm-hmm. such a fine line. You know, I'll, I'll be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not going to really do that much with this kid today. And I'll have him doing, you know, what I call a zero step where they're just standing right on their takeoff leg right next to the bar and we jump in i go we'll yep. see running and they're not really shoving that leg against the ground so we do some zeros we do some one steps you know then we end up doing some three steps and some five steps and i'll look back afterwards and i'm looking at like 25 videos i'm like dude you just gave them 25 jumps you know <laughs> and you're trying to trying to save the leg, you know so it's tough really tough um so with you being number 10 in the nation <clears throat> now at the collegiate level there's also, of course, mm-hmm. some guys that are no longer in the collegiate level that are happen to be very good athletes that are still hanging around for the Olympics. So you've got to go through those guys as well. So you're you're getting ready to go to nationals, but then there's also the Olympic trials. Have you gotten a trial mark yet, or is that something that's still out there? I haven't honestly looked at all of that. Um, I would assume that the trial mark is farther. I think a couple of years ago it was at eight meters. Mm-hmm. um to even be considered so i'd have to go a little just a little bit further you know <laughs> right right but yeah, that's not really on my radar right now that's interesting yeah there's i know there's the a standard and the b standard right and then there's uh that's the game has changed in the last few years i'm not really sure why um maybe it was the <laughs> dying off of the old stars you know not dying off but no longer being around getting too old so funny when we get old enough where we disappear from the seam it's it really is like dying in a way right you're like okay i can't do this anymore um that's something we haven't talked about much on the podcast is you know when the career ends <laughs> and then you know do you become a coach or you know, get a real job or or what after that um so uh take us back to um i wanted to see what was the the thing that i noticed about you dylan when i saw you was I remember hearing Gary rant about you. It was a few years back. And uh, I got this one kid, you know, he's jumping out of the building. I'm like, okay, cool. And, you know, that was the last I remember of it because I'm, you know, usually more paying attention to high jump and not as much to the long jump. So, you know, I apologize if I missed you. But then, you know, here I see you at this meet and I'm like, oh, wow, this is that kid from Irvine. And you look like a football player. Like you are pretty jacked, you know, you're standing there on the runway and this kid's just wide shoulders and narrow <laughs> hips and, you know, guns and everything. And I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't know that the, 
did this happen in the last couple of years or what? Like I never, I didn't picture you like that from, from high school or something, but man, you look like, you know, you could be playing wide receiver or slot or something. So I heard the the soccer angle. I'm like, I'm not used to seeing soccer players look that bad either. <laughs> so um, no. that, that been like in, at the college level there, talk about getting trained by, by Lauren now and you're, you're jumping and you're lifting and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in high school, I don't think I ever lifted maybe a little bit freshman year from the mm-hmm. soccer team, maybe a little bit senior year. But other than that, I never really lifted. I never lifted with a coach. And we did very limited lifts at Soka University my freshman year. And so now that I'm here, I think a lot of it is um, genetics, but I am actually lifting now. And so it's a whole it's a whole different game. And I still don't think that I'm lifting optimally for a long jump. I think it's a lot of well-rounded lifts. Like we're trying to keep our whole body in shape, but there's nothing that I'm focusing on that's really long jump specific. Mm-hmm. And me and Mags are starting to work on that. And we started to implement a few things towards the end of the season. But I think dialing it down in the weight room is going to really, really help with my knee strength and my ankle strength. And, you know, right, making sure that, I can get through that takeoff without collapsing. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a huge a lot thing. of where my jump. Go yeah, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say like my stomach is sore right now because of jumping on Friday. Like it's the weirdest thing, but everything is affected when you go and crash into that board. Mm-hmm. And my biggest strength when I'm jumping is probably my speed and taking my speed to the board. I don't think I have a crazy amount of hop, but I can definitely transition my speed into you know, through the board and into the board. yeah yeah so i think working specifically on weightlifting with takeoff and knee strength is going to really really help me next year and yeah. you know i'm excited to see where that's going to take me because I, I think i'm still scratching the surface of that right right well that it sounds like it's all pretty new to you which is cool that means yep. there's, there's a lot of stretch there that t- term i was mentioning earlier i um, I think about that sometimes you said you're, you're only 20, right? So that's, that's crazy. Um, so when we're talking about sp- specific now, this is bringing up a, a principle we've talked about a few times here too. Um, if you're tuning in at the halfway point, which like who would be, but we're going to pretend this is sports radio. You're listening to raise the bar with Troy Haynes. And I'm talking with uh, Dylan Fox, who's a sophomore now at uh, Concordia university at a uh, local college here in Irvine. And uh, is that Irvine or Laguna Niguel? Where is it technically? That's in Irvine. Still yeah. in Irvine. Yeah, it's pretty close by. Yeah. So, um, and we're talking it's about UCI. Yeah. Okay. Um, from what we're talking about with um, training, and, uh, and it brings up a principle called sports specificity. And I heard you mention that again. You're bringing up a lot of great terms. Um, you know, there's lifting you know, and you know, we could point to bodybuilders, right? There's people. And I think a lot of times when people hear lifting, most people would think, oh, bodybuilders, you know, you're, you're building up your body for whatever, just posing. Not really, right? When when we're doing what we're doing for track and field or for football or for soccer or whatever sport you're training for, you're really training to improve something, you know, a weakness in, like you're saying, joint stability or, um, you know, power output or speed or explosive, you know, plyometrics for, you know, for getting some lift off the ground. And so you you go from a, a real general base, right? And then the if you picture a pyramid going up, you're tapering and you're getting, you know, 
my concept both in uh, reps and sets and weights and volume is everything that the base is wide, big numbers, right, of reps and all that. And, and it tapers up towards the top. And, you know, you can do the same thing with speed. You can do the same thing with your plyos. You can do the same thing with just, you know, your lifting in general, right? And um, so we get into that. Now, what I'm curious about for you as a long jumper, when you're talking about specificity now, you know, because for a long time, I've told people, you know, you see everybody doing squats. I'm like, squats are great. I love squats. Um, you know, I when I got up to 400 pounds in the back squat, you know, the, the next year I went from six, eight, my first year at UCLA to seven, two. I mean, it made a tremendous difference in power and lift. And at the same time, yep. I don't jump off two legs, right? So it's not mm -hmm. a super sport specific event, but it does translate to how I performed. And now I've been using, you know, two-legged squats as like a base. And then as we get going through, I start shifting to one, you know, one-legged support stuff. Um, so what is, what are the lifts mm -hmm. that, that are, that you're talking about now that, uh, that you do to, to enhance either your takeoff or you mentioned your, your speed was one of your, your top assets. Um, so how, how does that, that work? I'm just curious as to how you're training in the weight room to get either both your speed or your lift. I mean, the funny thing is most of what we do are circuits and we actually haven't done any sort of, we haven't done full squats since probably earlier in the year or mm -hmm. late last year. Right. Um, we've been doing more shorter explosive things like, you know, quarter squats or half squats and not going all the way down, just not maxing out the range of motion and trying to be explosive through that upper portion. Right. Right. Um, Something long jump specific that we're doing is hang cleans onto a box. And so we're having to drive that knee up, drive our arms up, and then, you know, plant our foot on that box. So we're making sure, you know, we train both our, for me, it'll be my left leg, my takeoff leg, pushing that bar up, but also my right leg to get it up as quick as possible. Um, and other than that, we haven't done too much more um, in the weight room specific to long jump. And other than that, it's really, it really has just been general body strengthening things. And next year I'm going to be working with coach mags on more long jump specific stuff because I, we really haven't done much, um, mm -hmm. in the sphere of plow tricks or long jump specific lifts. And I think that's a whole nother, you know, whole nother sphere that I can tap into that I haven't even yet. And so, yeah, I'll definitely see where that takes me. Um, but other than that hang clean box step up, there is, hasn't been too much that we've done other than general strengthening. I like that. I've seen a, a bunch of those. I'm, um, again, if, if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you know, I, I don't live on Instagram, but I, I really kind of do, I, you know, if, as I check in, you know, the stuff that comes across my feed is other jumpers, mm -hmm. other coaches, other trainers, you know, and I'm always watching you know, something I put in a long time ago, the hashtags, hashtag high jump, hashtag long jump, hashtag triple jump, hashtag pole vault. Right. And so I see stuff all the time and yep. I'm watching uh, somebody do what you're saying, a hand clean didn't look like an incredible amount of weight on two feet. Like you said, no. and you can start off a of one or you can start with two, but then the, the hang with the step forward looks like a long lunge up onto a box. Right. Is that what we're talking about? And yep. quick. Right. You're trying to do it quick. Pretty similar. 
So yeah, um, I, yeah. I saw that and that's one of those ones, like usually what I do when I see something like that, that I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I just hit save and I go right to my saved and I've got these incredibly detailed files already of, you know, lifts and uh, speed agility drills and, you know, like stuff for soccer, right? Like fast feet. Um, I call it uh, neuromuscular stimulation and you know, like trying to get really quick. Well, it sounds to me, Dylan, like the super scary thought for people that are listening to this young man and what he's going to do is that he hasn't really done the stuff that that he knows is going to get him even farther. If you're already jumping, you know, 755 in the long jump and you haven't hit a lot of sports specific lifts, I'm kind of scared Mm -hmm. what's going to happen when you when you do. I, I need, need to do a little yeah. bit. Of, need to do a little bit of research here and find out about those marks for the um, for the uh, trials. <laughs> but um, I know your coach Lauren has has qualified for those in her past in the high jump, and uh, so seven fifty five is twenty four nine. Yeah, you start getting out there into the twenty fives and twenty sixes. I I have a um, you start talking about competition, bringing out great jumps. Um, when I was a sophomore. I think it was a sophomore at UCLA. We went up to Oregon for our big dual meet and um, they had just, they had ended a two year winning streak by us the previous year. And we go up there and we're kind of fired up for it. You know, we're going up there, but it was cold again, you know, typical Oregon weather. We're up there in March, I think, and gunmetal gray skies and all that. And it was just like that on Saturday. So we get out there and at one point, I remember we were sweeping the long jump and they went mm-hmm. three jumps in a row. One guy goes 25-3, next guy goes 25-5, and the next guy goes 25-7 or something like that. And they go from us sweeping to them sweeping. <laughs> it was like, and all of a sudden, <laughs> everything started to turn. It was like, but, it, you know, it was it was going to be close. They had a guy named Joaquin Cruz who was the uh, ended up winning the Olympic gold medal in the 800. So he ran the four, wow. eight. He he won the four, the eight, and anchored their four by four, which destroyed us. So it was that was a, a long day. Once once it got rolling again, it was like God, these guys. We we'd go up there and they'd have their weather and they'd stomp us. And then um, my junior year. We went up there finally, and it was cold and gray and all that. And then the next day when we woke up, for some weird reason, it was 85 degrees. The sun was out. Skies were clear. <laughs> you could see all of our guys were like, cool. It was like Southern Cal weather. I mean, it was really warm. And they looked like they were kind of like, uh, like we're not used to it this hot. And it was like, we we ended up scoring 100 points on them in the dual meet. And they haven't invited us back, I'm proud to say, since that, <laughs> that was but I do remember getting swept swept in the in the uh, the long jump, which was, I, and I don't remember any of the names, but it was it was pivotal. So, what is it? Let's talk about that a little bit. I I find this interesting. I don't know if you had a great um, dual meet history when you're in high school because some some conferences aren't really into dual meets anymore. Some of them still do them. I I for one kind of miss the old traditional dual meet where it's you against the other school. Um, you know, it used to be back in my day, I say how old I was. And back when I was in high school, 
we it was our three against their three, <laughs> you know. And it, it seems like everything's changed now. Is there anything similar like that that you had in high school? Do you guys have a, someone you hated that you'd go against every year? Um, I'd say for us, our rival has always been Woodbridge, which is a nearby high school. And there was just something about the athletes on that team that we did we did not like. But for the most part, we beat them. There was only one school that we couldn't normally beat, which was University High School. Right. Um, but the year we'd have, I think every single meet would be a dual meet until league finals or conference finals, whatever we called it in high school. Right. Um, where we'd have obviously every single school. But you know, my senior year of that league finals, we ended up winning four by one because we just had some really good, you know, sprinters on that team. And that wasn't normal for us to win, like really anything. Right. <laughs> we usually got second place in most events. And so it was, it was really good to go and win that four by one. And my teammate who is, who was the second leg on that four by one goes to Mount Sac now running the 100, mm -hmm. the 200. Yeah. And yeah, other than that, in high school, the dual meets, I, I, I really wasn't super into track in high school, I'll admit. I was just, I really was just in it for the fun and to stay in shape for soccer, even though now that I'm looking back at it, yeah. it probably wasn't helpful in any way, but it was fun. Um, right. But going back and forth from sport to sport was definitely interesting because I thought they would help one another. But now that I'm in college and, you know, you're dedicating four hours a day or three hours a day to track. Yeah, it's like the body type is completely different and the muscles and the stability is completely different. And yeah, I mean, that's, there's not much more to say on that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, everything has changed the way the landscape runs, because I know, you know, I've been at Vanguard University for the last two years, and there are no dual meets, you know, it's all just qualification meets, you go to oh, a meet. Perfect. And you're looking for a mark, you know, and if you qualify for <clears throat> indoor nationals, then you go to indoor nationals. And the funny oh, thing yeah. about indoor nationals is that all the meets that you qualify for indoor nationals are all outdoor meets out here, which is, mm -hmm. I think is kind of hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's part of living in Southern California, right? Because we don't, we don't really need indoor training facilities because the weather's so nice all the time. When it does happen to rain, you know, I always tell the kids, I'm like, Hey, all weather track means all weather track. Yeah. We're, we're going jumping anyway. You know? So, um, yeah, indoor qualifiers, national qualifiers, outdoors, all these big meets. I brought up something else. You mentioned the yeah. Ryan clay meet, um, that same weekend is the Mount SAC invitational, which is yeah. uh, a premier turning it's into a crazy. Yes. Yeah, um, were you, was were you gonna you were thinking about possibly going you mentioned the last chance meet but then you said you were sick that weekend so being sick was bad timing for the mount sack which is a big show um last year they had a really big you know opening because the track has been re mm -hmm. completely redone has you have you been up there have you seen it since it's been redone i haven't no I, i've seen photos and some videos from my buddies but i've not actually been there it's uh it's pretty amazing. They they dumped the, at least 25 million into it, I think. So the stadium and everything is redo my my brain being old enough, I can see the old stadium in my mind, you know, from the times that I jumped there. And then the way it is now, it's like not just a facelift. <laughs> it's like a complete remodel where yeah. you're just like, wow, it's uh it's really really nice. There's there's Nike money running through there. And the rumors that I've heard is that they'd really like to move the Olympic trials from Eugene 
down to Mount Sac for the 2028 games. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yep. Local, right? Close by. Great training facilities if people want to train there. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know how that works at this point if you're not going there, but I'm sure that they would open up their doors to both local and you know, international competitors, the way Jeremy does down at, um, you know, the Olympic training center down there in Chula Vista, like that meet that you jumped at, um, big, big time meets there and, uh, a, a big show. So, um, now you've got how long till this next big meet that you're going to compete at Dylan, the regionals, um, the last chance. Mm -hmm. The last chance at uh azusa would be on the 15th, Next week, 14th right? and 15th i think of may two weeks yeah two weeks, three, well we yeah. have two weeks then. um and then two weeks after would be outdoor nationals in pueblo okay yeah that's still a long time it's kind of stretched out i remember things happening a little bit yeah. more more bunched together it seemed i can't remember but whenever we finished pack 10s and it was like either it might have been a week or two i guess between then and nc2a's it all seemed kind of fast <laughs> when you're in it, but um, so what are the what are the goals for what's coming yep. up? So you don't know whether you're going to defend, go to Azusa and jump there. Um, I know it's kind of hard. You, you know, I picture you standing there all dressed up, ready to go, and then keep looking at the marks like, <laughs> do I need to take a jump or can I chill? Um, <laughs> do, do I need to? <laughs> come yeah, like the- um, if I do go. If I do go, they're still looking at um, – well, I think I'm still going to go either way for the 4 by one because we want to see how far we can push that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have our first leg kind of yank his hamstring yesterday, so we have to fill in an alternate there, but we do have some pretty fast sprinters on the team. So we're just looking to, you know, break our we – bro- we broke the school record earlier this year with a 41.63, mm-hmm. but that's not at all representative of how fast I think we can go. Um, there's just been little things going on every single time we run it that have kind of been detrimental, but I'm super excited for that team. And I think we're going to run it again, uh, at the last chance meet as for long jump, uh, after this weekend, I don't think any other school is going to have another meet for another two weeks until their last chance meets. Right. And, you know, six people are going to have to jump better than 755 to bump me out, which I'd hope is unlikely. But right. you never know, especially with this year, everyone's jumping like crazy. Like the past years have not at all been like this in long yeah. jump. Yeah. And um, we'll just have to keep an eye on it, see who's jumping, see who's jumping well. Um, you know, they might have me go and do exactly what you said and hang out and see if anybody's jumping yeah. like crazy. Yeah. The guys that I jumped against on Friday, I think there's – three of us total that are in that top 16 right now. So I'll be going with a guy from Azusa and a guy from from RU. Yeah. Yeah. And those schools are just crazy with their jumps and their sprints. Um, And then as for nationals, you know, I'm, I'm placed, I'll be going in 10th unless somebody jumps further. Um, But I think I can definitely push myself further. I mean, I've only gotten better from here and I think I'm still in the surface of what I can do. And so whether or not I do jump at that last chance meet, I'll be working on more long jump specific stuff. Um, You know, I'll be staying on campus over summer for the next Mm -hmm. month until we actually go to nationals. And I think there's a lot I can do stability wise, because 
you know, my knees bugging me a little bit, my hamstrings bugging me. And if I can, if I don't feel those and I'm feeling hundred percent, I think I can push it even further because right now I'm still feeling little aches and pains, um, in my mm -hmm. left leg, which is my takeoff leg. And long jump is just one of those, one of those events where you have to be giving hundred percent the whole time, like that okay. run up, maybe yeah. it's not hundred percent for you, but, um, I'm definitely pushing it on that run up. And then, you know, when you take off, you're giving hundred percent of what's in that leg into that jump. And if you're not stable then you're not gonna be able to take off well. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing a lot with lifting this year. And what coach Magnuson has been talking to me about is just stability, like building your muscles is important, but it's not as important as being able to support the forces and the stresses that you're putting onto your muscles and your tendons and your bones. Um, and so over the next month, I'll definitely be working on that and see how far we can go um, before I end up heading to Pueblo and see, you know, if I can upset some people, <laughs> right. Um, you know, make five top three, you know, who knows everyone has to show up that day. That's what you I know. learned on Friday. I had so many guys who were jumping well and everyone just has to show up and jump that day. And so, you know, anything could happen in long jump, especially. So I'm excited for Pueblo if I do yeah, end you, up going. Like you're saying, when you see the 7.85, right. You're thinking, Oh, wow. This that's kind of like way, way out there. Right. But that doesn't mean that person's going to jump that, that particular day. You know, everybody's got their day. Like you said, when you catch yeah. the just right, you do all those things. I was curious what you're talking about from the, the joint stability standpoint. Um, I mean, talk with this with my jumpers all the time, long, triple high that, you know, the power versus speed paradigm, because everybody, you say, are you a power jumper mm -hmm. or a speed jumper? And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, I understand that it's, it's kind of a thing in our heads. If, if you, if you're going slower, easier to control your speed, you drop down yep. low and you power up and you get lift, right? So we're talking high jump here, but you know, a little bit long and triple both when people get in trouble to me is when I hear that just wham on the board, that super yeah. hot stomp. Right. And I'm like, I go, I always think I'm like, man, when you hit that board, it's, it should be like a da -da 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 just like a little quick tap, like get on and off the board mm -hmm. as quickly as you can. I'm trying to preach the, you know, like Kung Fu, like you're going to be the Shaolin priest, you know, that walks through walls and and look for, you can't be seen, you know, and like listen for, yeah. I can't hear you, you know, like I want you to run off that board, like, you know, Legolas the elf in the snow, <laughs> like not even yeah, leave exactly, <laughs> you know, like, cause when you hit that board, man, you can almost feel force waves and like heat <laughs> emanating from where that hit yeah. on the, on the takeoff. So, um, that long, powerful last step, like you're talking about long and low, totally undesirable, right? You, you put a huge shock wave through your leg, goes all the way up into your hip, your knee, your low back, right? You're like, ah, and you don't get anything out of no, it, right? The worst jump <laughs> ever. My low back and my abs were right. killing me after that jump. When um, I jumped 749, I was like, Ooh. like my lower back, I'm like, shoot what just happened there right <laughs> yeah it goes right through yeah. the, right like those shockwaves so it's interesting joint stability um becoming even more important than than uh strength and power so that collapse is that you're talking about i've seen that a lot that long step and then boom and it drops so if you can go with a long step but you have the speed and the power to withstand it is that desirable or do you want that step to be shorter 
Um, I mean, I think you definitely want that stat to be shorter. For me, I'm I'm more of a speed jumper, I would say. I don't think I have a crazy amount of height, but I mean, the best long jumpers, their hips are only dipping at the board a quarter to a half inch. Right. So it's not any crazy adjustment. And I was actually talking to Mike Powell yesterday during the triple jump. He's the coach at Azusa. Yes. And so, and obviously the world record holder. So <laughs> I right. was chilling with him talking and he, I asked him about it and he said that the biggest kind of power generator isn't going to be that takeoff leg. It's going to be your, for me, my left arm, my right leg, the one that are driving upwards is what's going to translate that horizontal momentum to vertical momentum. Yes. Your other your like left leg, your takeoff leg is only going to do so much, especially when you're going that fast. You can only produce so much vertical power from it. So you yeah. really need those off your off leg and your um, drive arm to really just drive into the air. Um, yeah. And something else I heard from my pal is that all these jumpers nowadays are afraid of going fast. And I think that's something that I'm kind of embracing. I'm I'm pushing my speed, but maybe I'm suffering a little bit in the height department and not jumping as high, but mm -hmm. my biggest strength is speed. And, you know, I'm going to use it if I can. And all yeah. the other guys in my conference, there's only maybe one or two other guys that I jumped against on Friday who really do utilize their speed, but they also have some vertical pop. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy who got second place, his name is Yakuba. Um, he goes to RU and he's from Paris. I talked to him a little bit, but he just, he's super good in the triple jump and he's super good at utilizing his speed and taking that speed through the board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us on Friday, it was just a battle. But other than him, I wouldn't say there's anyone else that really, really uses their speed super well, you know, through that takeoff board. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I, it's interesting you say that because, you know, coming from the high jump department, for the most part, I got introduced to triple jump through my coach, uh, Baru Elias, when I was, you know, working with him. He was at Long Beach City. And he did a lot of triple jump stuff with us, even as high jump and long jump. But he was he was excellent, <clears throat> excellent coach at all three. Um, but I was taught early about how to get air. So one of the things that I try to do with my long jumpers is that exactly what you said for left footed takeoff is get that left hand, you know, above. I see so many people yeah. when the left arm comes up, it looks like a short running jab or even lower than yeah. that, like they're punching somebody in the stomach. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get that arm up, you know, get, you got to mm -hmm. transfer some lift up off the board yeah. and fire that other arm back. And then you're, you know, obviously your drive knee a little bit different yeah. than high jump. You can't lean back and stop and go up. So you still want to get some up, but you still want some forward, yep. right? So that angle, what's that angle like for you guys? What are you guys preaching to the 45? What is it that you're working at on the knee drive? Um, for long jump, the optimal takeoff would be around 22 degrees because um, 45 degrees is optimal from a standstill, like physics right. wise, because if you're just sitting there and you chuck something, 45 degrees is going to carry it as far as you can. Right. But That's when right. you bring, you know, speed into that, yeah, when you bring speed into that, the physics equation completely changes in 22 or 23 degrees, somewhere around there, mm -hmm. it would be the optimal takeoff. And, you know, it's different for everybody if someone's really, really fast. Maybe that degree could be a little bit lower, but if someone can, you know, keep that speed and push a higher angle, that might be beneficial. Right. But it's definitely a sweet spot around 20, 22 degrees. Um, and the biggest part of it is not dipping your hips too much to try to get that angle. Right. Um, I'm not there yet, 
I'm not at that angle. I'm lower than that. Um, but my speed carries me through the air. So works out. Do you guys work? I'm curious because, um, you know, working myself in the same, same area as you, I haven't had anybody jump that far, but, um, when you're, when you're getting into the board, you know, both, I tell all the athletes, I go, look, long jump, triple jump, high jump. There's also an element of lean back. You've got to lean back a little, right? Cause if you're too far forward, you're going to have, you're, you're going to put all your weight on the wrong side, you know, and you're in danger doing a front flip, right? So what, is there an angle that yeah. you're looking like looking at for that also along with the knee drive angle? This is just curious. Um, I'm just curious to hear if you talk about it. Not specifically. I mean, with the knee drive angle, maybe, you know, getting that knee up to 90 and not dropping it too fast. I, I don't think the the angle matters as much as how long you hold it off that board. Because mm-hmm. if you're just bringing it up and dropping it immediately, you're not holding that momentum in the air. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough too. The the whole the the other thing that Elias taught me other than how to get lift was cycle like cycling was, was mm-hmm. the preeminent thing with him. And if you watch some of his athletes from uh, Brian Stanton, who went to the Olympics and I think it was 88 in Seoul, uh, he had this for a, a guy that was six, five, and he just had these unbelievable legs, but he used to just have this high cycling where you would go, Oh, knees, knees look like they were above hip high. Right feet kicking him in the glutes yep. every time, you know, high, perfect arms. You're just watching him going, God, I hate that guy. He's his running was so, <laughs> so pristine. It was so perfect. Right. Yep. You see the cycling and cycling is huge because as you're coming through the board, like if you see a mm-hmm. drop in cycling, right. If that heel doesn't come up to the butt, for instance, all the way through both after the takeoff and also the drive leg, you know, both sides, Yep. you see them start to slow down or to drop it's got to be a decrease in acceleration right before the board you can't and in general what is somebody trying to do when they decrease their acceleration they're trying to power they're going to try to drive that yep. leg you know and it's like the funny thing is is the faster that leg's moving like you're talking about the faster that drive leg's going to be you might not be thinking mm-hmm. i've got to drive this leg up but it's already moving through there because you're flying so fast right yeah. So, oh man, such. Okay, the question that I had for you, you're talking about the four by one. Uh, my first question was, <laughs> which leg are you running? And the second question I have is, how fast is your hundred meters? <laughs> Do you run the open? Uh, I'm really. I ran the. Okay, the funny story. Um, <laughs> in high school, I think I ran the hundred once, maybe twice. The most recent time was like sophomore year and I was not fast. I probably ran high 11s, like 11.7 sophomore year of high school, which wasn't fast for my league and it wasn't fast in general. I was more of a jumper in high school. Um, and, you know, I had speed that I would utilize in soccer, but it wasn't translating to the track because it's completely different, you know, right, right. you're not pivoting at all on the track. So, you know, once I started to get down my linear speed, I actually... I ran an open hundred this year. I ran an open 60 as well. In the 60 indoor, I went 705, um, or no, 703 in at, at Pitt State. And then the hundred this year, I ran 1096 in, in Fullerton. And you know, that that's not crazy fast either. Um, right. I think I could definitely run faster than that, but 
you know, how that translates to long jump is just, you know, speed through the board, being able to maintain the momentum rather than being extremely fast myself. Right. I do think I am, I am fast at nine, six, but, um, it's my top speed. That is my strength and not my start. <laughs> so right. if I work on my start, I can bring that a little bit, but as for the four by one, I'm the anchor leg in there. So my coach wants me to be able to open up and just, you know, get down that back stretch. Right. Actually, well, back stretch, second leg, but get down that final okay. leg. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the, uh, that's interesting too, because it brings up another question with the long jump is the legacy between speed and jumping has obviously been great since Carl, you know, Carl Lewis was yep. one of the best sprinters in the world for years Crazy. and nobody ever beat Carl until my boy, Mike Powell, you can talk <laughs> Mike to Powell. Mike Powell and I were teammates for one year at UCLA. He transferred from UCI to UCLA and we got to hang out and he would come over and high jump every once in a while. And, you know, he would do long triple. He was all over the place. Um, but mm -hmm. Carl was obviously a nine, what, nine, six, nine or whatever he ran at his peak and um, dominated the long jump for years. And then I know that Mike was training with John Smith at UCLA and he got faster. Um, and I, I think he may have gotten as low as like a 10, four. I heard rumors that he ran like a 10, four hundred meters. So yep. he was real long legged. So I don't know that he got up to yep. that quickly. You know, if you see Mike, he still looks pretty much the same. Um, he might, might yep. a couple pounds, a <laughs> couple pounds around the midsection, but pretty much the same, you know, real, real skinny, tall and fast. So, um, mm -hmm. so what do you think is you're saying 10, nine, six. Now, what do you think you can get down to? Um, based on my, my 60 time, just, you know, running some calculations, I can go 10, eight, probably on, on a normal day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think if I improve my top speed and I learn to carry that speed through the last 40, a lot better, I can probably drop another 0.2 seconds, you know, down to 10, six, but right. yeah, well, you know, it's, it's all up in the air right now, but I haven't done a crazy amount of, you know, speed training that's specific to carrying my top speed. It's right. more been about, you know, just maintaining. Yeah. Um, and my start is not great. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty sad. Like I, I can get out pretty hard, but I'm not pushing out like any of my teammates, but yeah. I end up catching them around the six meter mark and then I'm gone from there. Yeah. Um, there's one other guy on my team who really does run with me and his top speed is really good. Um, he ran a 10, six, two yesterday in the hundred, Oh no, two days ago in the hundred. And um, you know, that was, it was a good showing, but I think he could have had a better start as well. And it was really his top speed that carried him through to yeah. win that heat. So the other, you're talking about getting to top speed and, you know, the difficulty in getting there, if you're not starting well, have you, have you guys considered doing a European rolling start just so you can run into your mark and already be moving and then go from there? Yeah. So this year up until January or February, I had never gone past 16 steps in my long jump approach. Mm -hmm. And then you know, I wasn't performing super great. And our coach, I talked with coach Mags and I was like, Hey, um, I did some research looking at some of the top long jumpers, um, collegiately and, um, professionally. And I didn't see anyone that was taking less than 20 steps. 
And so I was like, okay, like maybe we can try to see if I can get an 18 step mark and see where that takes me. And actually the first meet where I broke the school record where you were there at Concordia was my first step. I mean, my first 18 step meet um, with that long jump approach. After that, I was like, oh shoot, maybe I'm actually just not hitting my top speed and I don't have enough time to compose myself to get myself through the board. Right. Because sprinting down the hundred meter runway and sprinting down the long jump runway, it's similar, but I need more time to compose myself when I am at top speed. Um, cause right. I don't, I wouldn't say it's like full percent. I say it's like 90, 95%. Right. Um, but something I've been working on is opening up. I'm a very like relaxed sprinter. Um, my coach calls me Baywatch. He's like, stop Baywatching right now. Like you're not trying to look good. Come on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's one of my cues. He's like, he's like, put your arms up, you know, drive your knees, you know, don't look, don't look so pretty. Right. Um, and so I've been working on long jump and just like opening my arms up, making sure I'm getting, um, my arms start, tend to come close to my chest and I'm really opening them up. Right. Um, and that transfers a lot better into my takeoff. But, you know, that meet you were at was my first 18 step meet. And this most recent meet was my first 20 step meet. Um, we were working on it for Brian Clay, right. know, 20 steps. And, you know, obviously I got sick. And so this is my first meet, um, two days ago that I did 20 steps and it, it felt a lot more natural and yeah. it felt like I had a lot more time, um, to compose myself for the board because, um, I take off my left. So I'm taking three left foots in a drive phase and then four to kind of compose myself and, um, get that tempo. And then right. those last six, I just drive my, drive my legs down and then, you know, take off. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I, I've told this, you know, to the jumpers for years, number one, I, I tell them speed kills, you know, and it's in all of the jumps. It's not just the, the long jump. It's most obvious in the long jump, triple jump. It's harder for people to see because it's so extended, but it's still, you know, speed dominates. And then the high jumpers at the world level are so fast. I, I watch guys, you know, Brandon Stark has a long approach. Like you're talking, he used to have a 16 step long flowing approach and Barshim does a run into a seven, but he's hauling. I mean, he's really, really running fast. Yeah. And I tell these guys, I go, you don't understand how much that speed translates into lift and how far away from the pit you need to be. But I also say as fast as they're going, they can't be going full speed. Cause I go, it's really hard to figure out how to get your limbs working <laughs> when, you, when you're going full blast, you know, it's hard to then go, yeah. oh, wait, I got to jump you know, like you're saying. So there's a, a transition in there where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm up to speed now. You know, I, I picture like the USS enterprise. Okay. You're, you're at Mach five and then it's like, okay, or warp, you're at warp five. And then you're like, okay, well, let's maintain warp five. Now get phasers ready. <laughs> and then, okay, I'm locked and loaded. Yep. Now fire, fire phasers, you know, when you, when you go to take off. So yeah, yep. that's uh getting that speed it's interesting to hear you talk through the logistics of it um you you have any midway marks or is it just just going from from where you start there's any checkpoints along the way uh, just for my mark for the board yeah there's no points um i would probably have a six step point if i was doing a little walk or a jog into it but i'm going from a standstill you know kind mm -hmm. of leaning back and then going um, but in the past, I have done that little walker skip run up and then gone into it. And I do like that because it allows me to bring more speed into it. Right. Um, I do think there's a fine line there. It's like you don't want to be going 100 percent because you're 
by the time you hit the board, you're going to not know what's going on. Right. Um, and I've heard a bunch of coaches say that you want to hit your top speed right when you get to the board. But I think, yes, in a way that's true. But I also think you want to hit it maybe a couple of steps before because preparing for the board is a whole nother, right. whole nother thing in itself. Because right. if you're just sprinting through the board, you're really not putting your leg down. And there were numerous times at practice where my knee just kind of caved in on me and I got no height and I, you know, I just wasn't ready to jump um, right. at that 16, unless I was, you know, going slower than I would like to be. Right. Um, it's not that I can bring that speed through and I can prepare more for it and get my arms up and get my knees up. It feels way more relaxed. It feels way easier. Um, it, it feels natural, like nothing really hurts except for, you know, maybe my lower back when I pushed it right. and at 749, right. 55, but yeah. other than that, it, it feels super natural. My knee's not bugging me. There's, you know, it's just, it's a yeah. totally different game. Um, and I'll just that one, like one time. Was it, yeah, another, was that another thought was coming? I didn't know if anyone oh. you. Um, no, yeah, um, it's just, you know. Yeah, you go for it. You're good. Um, I was my my curiosity. <laughs> was, I I trained my jumpers long or high jumpers especially to to count their steps, and for some some of them it's mm -hmm. like a completely foreign concept. If they've been working by themselves, or really? they have a coach who doesn't tell them to do that, they're like, "Why would I do that?" And I'm like, "Well, I I like it because of a, a cadence, a rhythm, you know, an acceleration rhythm." Yep. I'm like, "Hey." If you have an eight-step approach, we need to master like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nice and smooth. And that pattern right there, I go, might be good for a four-foot high jump. But that same pattern is going to play out faster and faster. I need that same acceleration all the way through. Mm -hmm. So I've had, you know, uh, I was taught to do same in the long jump, but to only count my left leg because that was my takeoff leg. And it's hard to count when you get into the teens yep. <laughs> really quickly. Right. So uh, my question is, are you going to, are you counting on, are you counting steps at all? And if you are, are you counting, you know, your takeoff leg all the way through? Um, I am counting my takeoff leg all the way through. And I think in high school, I don't think I counted my legs at all. Um, you know, maybe my, my eight steps, but it's a lot easier to, break the you know 16 steps out of, into three phases like for me it'd be three left legs of a drive and then two float phase and then three where i'm really bringing my feet down right um and it really does help with consistency i haven't hit the board as perfectly as i am ever right now um right. i'm within you know when i do scratch it's a millimeter a centimeter like it's super duper close and then when i do hit the board you know, I'm a millimeter, centimeter behind that line. So it's, it really, really helps. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you'll be jumping so much farther if you are hitting that board right on. Sure. And I think a lot of athletes are just, it's really hard to keep 16 steps consistent, but it's really, it's a lot easier to keep, you know, six steps consistent and then four steps and then six steps consistent and breaking it out like that in your head. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, hey, Dylan, I appreciate you getting up <laughs> so early on a Sunday <laughs> to share your your thoughts and uh, your your aspirations and dreams. And uh, 
I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you go. I don't know if I'm, I, I need to make it to that last chance meet because there's always a lot of great athletes there like yourself. Um, if, if nothing else, just to see you run and to get a chance to talk with your coach because Lauren and I get along great. And uh, she's, we got to get her back on here. I know she's been like as busy as a one arm paper hanger, but uh, we got, we got to get her back on she the, has. the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never seen anybody do so many things at one time. Um, I keep thinking it's ridiculous. I would, I would be a babbling insane person by now. Um, I've been as busy as yeah. I've been in a long time and you know, I'm barely, I'm barely able to put a, a sentence together. So, um, I know she's doing a great job. <laughs> um, we'll have to have to do another one. Just talk about her. Um, but, uh, Hey, uh, good yeah. luck. And, um, I hope I'm going to do a little research. I'll send you some numbers on, uh, the old uh, Olympic standard, if you are, you're going to be, I think you've got over a year, right? So that's, like you said, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I just mentioned this in passing, like I was kind of in the same boat. It's interesting to hear you talk about that because my sophomore year at UCLA, I had a terrible first year and I was a walk-on. So even though I'd won CIF and mm-hmm. I, went, I won the master's meet, I went up to state, you know, and I was kind of on a roll and I'm thinking, man, I should be able to go anywhere I want, you know? Well, UCLA had a seven-seven jumper at the time, and a, a, an all-time great named Dell Davis, who came in second in NC two A's one year, and then Lee Balkin, who was a legend here in California, jumped seven-three in high school, still holds the state meet high school record for seven-three in the finals. <laughs> he was there, right? So when I got there, they were like, "We don't need you. you you're welcome to come, up, but we don't really need you here." You know, I was like number seven on the depth chart. So I remember asking Bob Larson, who was the who was named the high jump coach. And he shook my hand the first day and said, I don't know anything about the high jump. So I was like, okay, wait, um, <laughs> you have these great jumpers, but that's a whole nother story. But um, I did remember asking him saying, well, you know, we'd like to have you walk on. And my brain was like, wait, I thought we were talking scholarship. So I said, well, what does it take to get a scholarship here? And he said, you jump seven, two, and we'll talk. So I was like, okay. So my freshman year is terrible. Okay. Six, eight. Right. And then that sophomore year, when I got a lot stronger, I jumped seven feet for the first time. A couple of weeks later, I jumped seven, two for the first time and was like, oh, and then somebody told me in the middle of that, kind of like the way I mentioned to you, they're like, you know, the Olympic qualifying height seven, four and a quarter or something, you know, I think it was 225 and I had jumped 220. So I was like, oh, I didn't even know that I was taking jumps at the qualifying height you know, once I made seven, two, didn't even know it. Right. So I went to some of those last chance qualifiers because this was 1984 that happened to be my sophomore year was 84. My, my whole brain set was not on going to the trials that year or anything else. My, my mindset was when I got seven, two, that next Monday I was sitting in Bob Larson's office (laughs) and he was like, he sees me and he goes, Oh, you want to talk scholarship? I'm like, yeah, that's what you said. And he goes, okay, let's get you hooked up. You know? But I didn't have Olympics or Olympic trials in my brain at the start of that season at all. You know, it just kind of, yeah. as your performances go up, all of a sudden somebody goes, hey, you know, you're kind of, you're nudging into higher areas here where you could, you know, start thinking about going to these really big meets, right? Every every step up is a step up, right? So you're you're going to the regionals, you're going, you know, you go from there, there's you know, a lot of college guys will make it through that to go to national championships. Right. And then it just depends on the year. So 
Um, but anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. And if it, I'll be that guy that's putting unwanted pressure on you. <laughs> like, go, Dylan, go. Yeah, that wasn't even on my radar. And like, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I, I have another reason to push and, you know, improve these next couple months, especially. And then, you know, moving into the later half of the year and then early next year. And I think those Olympic trials are going to be coming up soon, huh? Right. Yeah, they come up pretty fast. So, uh, well, it's going to be exciting to watch that uh, meteoric rise that you're on. Let's keep you healthy and uh, and uh, keep listening to Coach Lauren because she knows what she's doing. And uh, we're wishing yes, the best for you, Dylan. Uh, I'm looking forward to bumping into you again and, and seeing you compete. And uh, again, thanks so much for spending your time with us this morning here on Raise the Bar. And uh, best of luck. Of up. Can't wait to see you jump over eight, eight meters. That's got to be <laughs> soon. <laughs> One day. All right, sir. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Have the rest of your day. Right. Thanks, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was uh, Dylan Fox, who is a sophomore at Concordia University here in Southern California at uh, Irvine. He's uh, he's jumped uh, 755. I have to look these things up because uh, I'm a dinosaur and I don't know my metrics at all. But uh, he he's jumped 24.9 this year, which uh, has him currently placed 10th out of the top 16, which get to go to the nationals. So like you said, you heard him say he's trying to hold on to his spot and uh, he may have to defend it a little bit at the all comers meet the uh, last chance at, uh, uh, at Azusa Pacific out here. I'm sure they have them everywhere. Like you said, from all around, excuse me, the nation. So, um, but he's got those things coming up in a four by one relay and uh, just sounds like he just keeps getting better. Um, I'd have to look up those other marks from earlier this year, but I know getting out to 24 and a half, 25, you know, is rarefied air. So, um, and that's going to finish us up here on raise the bar. Thanks for spending your time and remember to keep raising that bar in your training in your, your nutrition, in your sports psychology, anything and everything to help improve that performance. Um, and here we're just talking about stuff because I'm old and I can't do it anymore, but <laughs> try to impart my wisdom or, or learn something even at this stage. So until next time, Troy Haynes, Raise the Bar, signing off. We'll talk soon.